0: So the open's done, and I figured out that I qualified for the regionals. And I was like, Well, I'm not going to regionals. I don't want to go to the games. So I'm not going to go to regionals. And somebody in the gym was like, That's so silly. Like, just you're not going to make it to the games. You haven't been training for the games. You might as well go to regionals and see what it's like and and you know, check it out. So they're like, okay, I guess so. So I went to regionals uh and found myself in third place at the end of regionals uh and qualifying for the games. And um And I had, you know, I remember standing on the podium being like, well, this is great, but I'm not going to go. I'm not going to Carson. I'm not doing this. And I was only thinking that to myself. I hadn't really voiced it to anybody. And, um, that year China Cho and I had actually tied for points. Uh, but I got the third place because I had gotten a first place finish in one of the workouts and she hadn't. So that's how I ended up with that third place finish and the ticket to the games. And I had never said anything to China about not wanting to go, but I remember um, at the end of the game, she walked up to me and she was like, you better go. And I don't know if she just knew that I was hesitant or I I don't know, but that was the moment when I was like, I'm going to the games.
1: Hi. We have talked about this. It started on Games Weekend that Uh, our podcast wanted to get to a 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. When you hit 1,000 subscribers, it allows you to do so much more. Uh, You have the ability to go live from different events, things like that. And Games Weekend, we really wanted to kind of go live and do some commentary of the games, but we couldn't because we don't have enough subscribers. So I reached out to Dave, and uh, he has agreed to sponsor this kind of giveaway that we're doing in our road to a thousand. And that is every time we hit a new century mark, we're going to give away an RX jump rope, the original RX jump rope. You get to pick the colors, you get to pick the, the thickness of the rope. Um, But we want to give away a rope. Every, every hundred new subscribers we get. The key to that is you have to be a public profile when you subscribe, hit that subscribe button. If you're public, I get to see your name. And so that way we can draw from those names and give away that jump rope every hundred subscribers. And so we are super stoked about this. Uh, We wanted to do something fun with it and Dave and his team came up with this kind of concept and we're really excited to keep moving forward with that. Yeah, we're excited to help you along with that. And something I didn't tell you, but I I might as well put it out there, we're going to throw some other little goodies in there. We're not going to say what they are, but, uh, and it may be different every single time, but whoever, uh, whoever wins is going to get some extra little stuff in there. So it should be fun. That's awesome. And so make sure you hit that subscribe button, tell your friends, tell your family, because the faster we get to the next century mark, the next time we draw for another rope and you're, you're involved, whether you are the first subscriber or the 1,000th subscriber. You're still eligible to win uh, in, these, in these giveaways. So, And now off to this week's episode. Hi. Hey, Annie, how are you?
0: Good, thanks. How are you guys? Good. Good. I love the Don't Weekend shirt. That's one of my favorites.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. We are so excited to have you.
0: Thank you so much for inviting me.
1: So I'm Scott. I'm the Clydesdale. Uh, and. I know you've been talking to Kat.
0: Hi, yep. Annie. Hi, Kat. Good to meet you. you and then too, this thanks. is Amy
1: Hi in another the square.
0: Hi, Amy. Hi.
1: <laughs> so, uh, this is awesome. You know, you are, you're a legend in the sport, and we are so excited to have you. Thank you. So, for our listeners, uh, we've already hit record. So, okay. we'll just jump into it. And uh, for our listeners, we have with us Annie Sakamoto. One of the CrossFit OGs, and we're just going to talk to her about her journey through CrossFit and what she's got going on now, and and learn a little bit about her. So, sit back and relax. (laughs) So, first of all, Annie, um, we did a lot of research on you, and you are like you were there at the very beginning of CrossFit, two thousand four ish. Yeah, and you started at the first ever CrossFit affiliate. Uh, crossfit santa cruz
0: correct correct
1: so what led up to that like what was your athletic background before crossfit what were you doing for fitness and how did you end up uh going to crossfit
0: um so in high school i i dabbled in a lot of sports i wasn't good at any of them but i just loved being uh on team so i did basketball my freshman year i was horrible Um, I moved from Lake Tahoe to Santa Cruz and I'm an only child and I didn't know anybody in Santa Cruz. And I was like, oh, well, I'll go out for the soccer team as a way to make friends. Um, So I went out for the soccer team and, you know, all these girls had played like club soccer all their lives. Um, And I wasn't very good, but I made the team and I did meet a bunch of friends that way. And then um, I think my junior year, I decided to try uh, swimming and diving or water polo. I I can't remember which one I did first. And then I did diving one year. So I was just never very good at any sports, but I like to try them all.
1: So you were a dabbler. Uh,
0: I was a dabbler, I was a big time dabbler. And then growing up in Lake Tahoe, I had always uh, skied and snowboarded. So once I came to Santa Cruz, I kind of got into the ocean. I got into surfing. So after, um, after high school, I went to UCSC for one year and I played club water polo up there. And then I moved to Costa Rica. I just realized I'm not ready to be in college. I think I'm gonna go to Costa Rica and just surf. And so a couple of girlfriends and I went down there and we just tried to learn how to surf. Um, Came back, went to community college for a little while, went over to Kauai to pursue the surfing for a little bit. Um, And then finally, when I came back from Kauai, you know, my parents were like, hey, look, if we're going to help you go to college, it's now or never. I think I was like 20, (laughs) 21 at that point. And I was like, all right, I would be stupid not to take the help. So um, I came back, I went to UCSC, and I took a cardio kickboxing class up there. Um, so it was really just aerobics. It was like, you know, Billy Blanks, Taibo kind of <laughs> stuff. Uh, and I liked it. And I really liked it. And um, I had always been like stocky growing up. Um, and I think it was partly just genetically I leaned out in my early 20s and, and then partly probably the kickboxing class. But I really got into like fitness. Like before when I did sports, it was more just about like being part of a team. It was very social And then when i took this kickboxing class i was like oh i i like fitness i like exercising so i ended up starting to teach some cardio kickboxing classes around town um and rewind to when i was in high school i had taken a hip-hop class from this girl her name was carolyn and she taught this cardio hip-hop class in town and it was super fun it was like a cardio dance class and um, there was a girl in that class at that time named uh, Eva Tordokins, and she took this hip hop class. And so we kind of knew each other just from taking class, but she was about 10 years, I was like the youngest in this class. It was all a bunch of 20 somethings and I was like in my teens. Um, and anyways, I ran back into Eva um, when I was teaching the kickboxing and you know she had been working out with Greg already for probably like three or four years. And do, do you know about Eva, two-time Olympic downhill skier, yeah. um, really the first female CrossFitter ever. Um, and she told me, oh, yeah, you know, I, I see that you're in fitness and I'm doing CrossFit and you should come check it out. And by then, because it was Santa Cruz, I had heard little tidbits about CrossFit. Um, but really, all I had heard is that people throw up and, you know, it's it's gnarly. Um, and I was like, you know, I don't have any need to throw up. I do my cardio kickboxing. I have like loud pumping music and I'm fit as I need to be. And this is great. And So she kept kind of needling me and she was like, no, you don't have to take a class. Just come in and I'll do like a one-on-one session with you and you won't throw up. So I went in to the original gym and um, she gave me three rounds of like a a 10 deadlifts at 65 pounds. At the original gym, we had a pommel horse because Greg was a gymnast. And so it was 10 pass-throughs on the pommel horse and a 400-meter run. And it was three rounds of that. And um, doing it by myself uh, and doing cardio kickboxing and not like crossfit i jogged the 400 meters you know i did my 10 deadlifts and the the palma horse the passers were no big deal and so when i was done i remember i went home and my husband had done crossfit a couple of times with some surfer buddies of his and i was like yeah i just did crossfit it was really easy and i can't believe people throw up and i mean they should really try my kickboxing class because that's like that's fitness <laughs> um, <laughs> And so he was like, oh, I've done CrossFit before. I would take a class with you. And we had a couple other friends that had started taking classes, like the 7 a.m. class um, on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. So uh, my husband, Jake, and I went to this class. And there was probably like 10 of us that day. And Greg wasn't coach; He had a personal client. And his uh, then wife, Lauren, was coaching. So I think he helped her, though, put together this workout. And it was a 500-meter row some number of squats, like 15 or 20 squats, 15 or 20 kettlebell swings. There was a cargo net at the original gym. So it was three trips around the cargo net um, and then 25 glute ham sit-ups, three rounds. And the way that Greg and or Lauren figured out to impart intensity, especially on somebody like me, um, who was used to moving by beats per minute and not necessarily like by incentive, um, they staggered the start. And they said, You're trying to catch the person in front of you and not let the person behind you catch you. And that was definitely like the aha moment of what intensity could be, you know, versus that first time I did uh, the workout with Eva. So I did all three rounds. And, um, and it was tough. It was really hard, but it was like, not, you, you know, I wasn't throwing up, uh, but it was definitely different than that first workout. I did all 75 glute ham sit-ups all the way back, all the way up. And I had never done glute ham sit-ups before. Oh no. So the next day I was like, oh wow, my stomach's sore. You know, like that's, that's cool. I feel good. I've never had my stomach be this sore. The day after that, I couldn't bend forward, bend backward, laugh, fart, cough, sneeze. Yeah talk like I couldn't I couldn't move and in fact my belly was a little distended and I was like I have a hernia like I have to go to the hospital I probably have a hernia mm-hmm. and Jake was like yeah let's not go to the hospital you know let's let me go talk to Greg and Lauren I think he went to the class I couldn't even go to the class because I like I said I couldn't even bend I could barely walk and they were like oh please don't take her to the hospital <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, like three days after that I was recovered and I was hooked. I was like any, you know, I thought I was in like this amazing shape and nothing had made me feel like that. And I was, that was it. I was like, that's what I want to do.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. And so you mentioned your husband, Jake, and he went with you that day. Did did he, did he, and does he still do CrossFit today?
0: Yeah. So, um, So he is, when I first met him, he was really into big wave surfing. And so there was a crew of big wave surfers and just surfers in Santa Cruz that had done some training with Greg here and there. Um, And so once I kind of got hooked, we would go pretty much Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 7 a.m. And then throughout the years, he kind of ebbs and flows. His passion is surfing. And so if there's waves, that's his first choice. If it gets really flat, usually then he'll paddle and if it's still flat he'll swim and then uh and then he'll do crossfit but he goes in and out like during covid we we ended up buying a bunch of equipment for our our house for our garage and uh, he'll take himself out there and give himself a workout of thrusters and pull-ups and all of that but his passion is surfing
1: did you guys meet surfing since you did that college escape thing
0: we, yeah. <laughs> we did I mean, when we when we first met we were both surfing and that's definitely um it was a big part of our relationship uh, we we surf all the time and back then actually when I first started CrossFit I would CrossFit in the mornings and then surf in the afternoons um and then it wasn't until you know we had our two kids that trying to do both things and work and take care of the kids like for me I'll still surf, but now it's usually longboarding, um, and it's just every couple months and for fun, where it used to definitely be a little bit more of a passion and um, kind of first hobby of mine, but I probably, I'm now more the CrossFit route, and he's still the surfing route.
2: Annie, gotcha. how, long, uh, how long after you started CrossFit did you stop teaching that cardio boot camp thing, or had you stopped doing that already?
0: Um, no, I was still doing it, and that's a good question. It probably. Um, Probably a good year and a half. So so I started CrossFit, I was really into it, and about six months into it, uh, Greg said, hey, I want you to do one of the certification seminars and start coaching. And I was like, you know, I really have no interest in coaching this. I love taking the CrossFit classes, but um, I don't wanna be a coach. And I was also managing a restaurant at the time. Um, And he was like, no, 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 you're going to do the certification. And I did the certification. um, And he gave me a class. And I was like, I just don't know if this is what I want to do. You know, I like my beats per minute. I like my loud music. Um, And then monetarily, I needed to manage the restaurant because that's really where all the the money was for me. Um, And then probably... So for a little while there, I was coaching both. I was doing a little bit of CrossFit and still doing uh, the cardio kickboxing and uh, managing the restaurant. And then maybe about a year into it or six months after I became a coach, um, I was like, okay, no, I think I just really want to focus on the CrossFit. And so did you leave that restaurant job as well eventually? Correct. Yeah. And I was really lucky because my husband uh, had a really good job. So, And we didn't have kids at the time you know, if I was alone, I don't know that I could have swung it on, on just coaching CrossFit classes at the beginning there. Um, But luckily with Jake, it worked. Awesome.
1: Yeah. You mentioned your two kids and that Jake is the surfing route and you are the CrossFit route. What kind of uh, fitness do your kids do?
0: Um, so, So it's funny because both Jake and I grew up, like I said, I played some ball sports, but I have horrible hand-eye coordination um and Jake has always been a board sport guy he actually is very hand-eye coordinated he can juggle uh he can juggle pins he can unicycle like he's really he's got great hand-eye coordination but he's always just been a board sport kind of guy and our son Israel who's 12 up until COVID really has been all ball sport he's all baseball all football all basketball like that's all he likes and um and Jake and I are like trying to relate to that, but he, uh, he's a real ball sport kind of kid since COVID kind of shut down all of that. He's now gotten, um, much more into skating and surfing, which has been great because Jake is surfing, you know, the surfer. And so it's been fun to watch, um, him really get into surfing. Jake never pushed the surfing with either of our kids cause he didn't want him to not like it. You know, it's like you run yeah. one way and they go the other. Um, But he's now really getting into surfing. And then he's really, his passion right now is skateboarding. And that's kind of cool because um, Jake's dad, right before he passed away, started designing skate parks. He was a landscape architect. And a couple years before he passed, he started uh, designing skate parks. And then when he passed away, Jake's brother took over the business and turned it into a skate park design business. It was a landscape architecture business. And he just made it, Straight um, skate park design, and so it's kind of in his blood to you know be skateboarding, but up until this year, he's always just kind of dabbled with it, and now he's really into skateboarding. And then my daughter, um, is she, her passion is volleyball, she really likes volleyball, but she's not that tall, so we'll see how, how far <laughs> that goes. Right now, she's been playing a lot of beach volleyball. But she actually, she's 14 and during Christmas break, she came into the gym. She's dabbled in, cross. I mean, both of my kids have done CrossFit on and off, um, but she's dabbled in it and she's an amazing lifter. Like she just has real natural form when she, especially Olympic lifts. So I was like trying to nudge her like, Hey, would you ever want to do a meet? I don't want to do a meet. I don't want to do any of that. But um, she's a real natural when it comes to lifting. So maybe one day she'll get into lifting is what I'm hoping.
2: How hard is it, isn't it really hard when you see the potential, like, like you know what it takes to be good at something specific and you see that your your child has that aptitude and you just wanna like grab onto it and, <laughs> and they're like, nope, sorry. <laughs>
0: yeah, because she was in the gym and we were like, um, the workout was to just work up to um, a moderate double squat clean. I think it was a hang squat clean. Um, something that felt like an RPE seven or eight. And again, she's 14 and she did a double, I think at 93 pounds. And it was like, it looked easier than almost every woman in our gym. Um, and yeah, I was like, you, you, we need to put a skillet on you and you should be lifting and I'm gonna get your shoes. And she was like, yeah I don't really, eh. Oh God, that's great, yep. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I had a very similar situation with my daughter. Uh, she didn't want anything to do with CrossFit um, and had the aptitude for lifting. Uh, Did one competition, came in second place with adults at the age of 15. No way. Yeah. And then never did it again.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My daughter's super athletic and she, she kind of dabbles in it now and is semi-interested, but she's more interested in working at my affiliate. She's like, I'm going to, I just want to run the front desk. And, you know, so hopefully if she does that, she'll get enough of the, you know, she'll, she'll be exposed to enough of it to maybe it'll catch on. We'll see.
0: Yeah, you realize they kind of have to find it on their own, I guess,
3: unfortunately. (laughs) So, you know, from being from Ohio, you know, we don't have a lot of experience surfing, um, surprisingly. (laughs) But I would assume, you know, there is some intensity to surfing. But I'm curious if you found that for you, when you dabbled in both at the same time, it kind of seems like the opposite ends of the spectrum where one the crossfit is really intense and then that maybe the surfing would also be providing some some calmness or some some peace so um did you find that that was like that for you or you know um so surfing a lot
0: early on i was doing a lot more shortboarding, um and there's a spot here called the lane and it's pretty competitive um and so it, there would be a lot of frustration actually for me a lot of the days that I was surfing. Um, and that's why actually now for me, the longboarding is more fun and calming and, um, because, but I was younger too, you know, and we, there was less stressors in our lives. And so it was fine to have the stressor of CrossFit and then kind of the stress of uh, shortboarding at the lane. Um, but now it, for me, if I am going to surf, I do want it to be more, um, more of a give than a take. And so that's why I like longboarding more than shortboarding now.
3: Yeah. (laughs) And my
0: shoulders would be so beat up from CrossFit that I would try to paddle when I was shortboarding and it would be really hard. Um, And it's like CrossFit kind of tightens your shoulders up, right, and then you're trying to paddle and I just felt like I couldn't paddle a lot of the time, but I was younger, it was easier. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So at the time you started coaching with Greg and did you have any idea what CrossFit was going to become at that point? Because really back then it was in its infancy and you got to kind of ride the wave of what it became.
0: Yeah, we, I always joke that, you know, back then if you had a CrossFit shirt on and you went to the grocery store or something else, people would go, what? what's CrossFit? And, you know, you were always stuck trying to explain what CrossFit was. And that was always this awkward moment. And you were kind of like, either you got to come and try it out, or I just can't even tell you what CrossFit is. Um, And then to see that now we will play this game when we're at the airport, which is like spot the nanos, and see how many pairs of nanos you can spot in the airport. And to think that it's really only I mean, I guess since then to now it's been 17 years, but that's quick to think that, you know, how much the sport has grown globally and then just as a sport. You know, back then it it felt very underground and it was a lot more of a strength and conditioning program. So there was a lot of guys at the original gym that um, did jujitsu. And this was like their strength and conditioning for their sport. It It wasn't that it was its own sport necessarily back then. Um, so to think that it's become its own sport with a huge purse and a huge competition and a global following in such a short amount of time is pretty mind-blowing.
1: And you worked for Greg, so you were getting information directly from the man who kind of put this all together. Yeah. And and what was that like? Did, did Were you like a sponge, or was Greg not as involved once you became a coach? or?
0: No, he still was, and he still coached a lot of the classes, and, um, you know, if you've ever heard Greg speak, he's probably one of the most charismatic people I've ever heard speak. He, he's incredible, and, um, and even just something as simple as a thruster or a thruster workout or just the way he would put workouts together was very, very elegant and very simple uh, and very compelling, um, and so I feel really lucky that I was able to have spent so many of those original years with him as a coach, uh, as a mentor, um, as somebody, you know, who was just trying to really find out like how fit can people really be? That's what it really felt like back then was just anybody off the street, like how fit can we get you? Um, and it was pretty cool to be with some of the original people as well. Cause we really didn't know what we were a part of. We really just thought we were going in and doing thrusters and pull-ups as fast as we could. And, you know, um, but I think he was, a lot of it was seeing like, what is the potential of humans as far as fitness goes? I you know, love I remember, the
1: simplicity of that.
0: Yeah. And I remember when he, you know, he used to talk about, you know, if there's a guy that, that deadlifts 500 pounds, he's amazing. If there's a guy that, you know, runs a sub five minute mile, that, well, that's amazing. But if you find a guy that can run a sub five minute mile and deadlift 500 pounds, which back then, like, you know, sport sports conditioning was like, that's not possible. Like you can either do one or the other. And, and he wanted to be like, no, I think you might, I think you could do both. Um, and, uh, to kind of be in the quest to find out if that was possible was really cool.
1: Yeah. And we talk about the growth and we talked about Eva and you were a big part of the growth, um, from a social media presence when the nasty girl video went viral. Yeah and so i have
3: to say anytime that i'm coaching that and that workout comes up i'm all, i'll like tell the class about it like if there's newer athletes and i'll say you you have to google it but be careful yeah. hey, google. <laughs> make sure you put crossfit nasty girl <laughs> exactly
1: and so did you ever imagine that that would take off like it did
0: No, and I still can't believe it because um, to me it was just another day where we went in the gym, Lauren gave a workout. uh, She was gonna film it just for, you know, to have um, kind of media or something to put on the main site. And so for me, it was just another day that we were in there, the three of us doing a workout. Um, And I didn't, even watching it for years, it was kind of like, I don't get why this is such a big deal. Uh, You know, now looking back at that video, I see that so much of it is Nicole's effort. Um, You know, and I think that's probably one of the most beautiful things about that, about that video. Uh, The, I guess, because it was the three of us and we were so used to each other, you know, people like nobody was doing muscle ups back then or nobody was hang power cleaning 95 pounds. But the three of us, like, that's kind of what was happening all the time with the three of us is they would prescribe this workout and like. Let's see if these guys can do it. Um, so with that, I guess, wasn't that out of the ordinary for me. But yeah, for other people, I guess it was. It was.
1: So I watched it this morning. I, and I, I watched it when I first got into CrossFit back in 2011. And I hadn't really watched it since. I forgot how fast you could do air, an air squat.
0: Well, now, okay. Now, I'm <laughs> to be honest to be fair that was to a medicine ball which is barely it's not even depth for me and i was bouncing my butt off that medicine ball so yeah yeah there was a little help there uh for sure
1: but you were moving
0: i was moving you were moving. <laughs> <I can't laughs> walk quite that fast anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah that was uh i forgot how that how crazy that was but um but yeah it it is still cool to see kind of like the beginnings of CrossFit. It kind of shows you what was going on back in the, in the mid two thousands uh, and what you guys were doing in it. And it's really cool to kind of see that history uh, yeah. again.
0: And what's so funny too, is, you know, 95 pounds back then was so heavy for a hang power clean. And it's like now 95 pounds is the everyday weight, right? It's so crazy that it's progressed that quickly.
1: Yeah, I, and you guys were doing strict muscle-ups, like not kipping muscle-ups.
0: Only because we didn't know any better. <laughs> literally, literally, if we knew how to kip, we probably wouldn't have. We just didn't know the, how to kip.
1: Yeah, and then the rings were so low, you probably couldn't have kipped anyway. But,
0: totally, totally.
1: But yeah, that was great to watch. And so from, from like, you filmed that in 2005, and then the, the games kind of started in 07. And, and they kind of moved on, but you didn't really compete at the games until 2011. Yep. Was that a conscious decision or.
0: It was. Um, and, uh, so 2007. You had some babies too, right? Yep. So I had had my daughter in 2006, um, and 2007 was the first games. Um, and, uh. It's good. I feel like I can be honest now. I was really kind of worried that um, because I we had always, Nicole even, I had always been on the site. We were, you know, we had always been the girls uh, that were publicized. I was like, what if I don't win the games? And everyone in the community is going to think less of me. And so having my daughter She was about nine months old, I think, or 10 months old. It was like, for me, it was the perfect excuse to not have to test myself in front of the community. Um, And then I did similar things until 2011. It was, you know, I would find excuses and really, honestly, it was because I didn't want to know where uh, where I would fall uh, if we tested across all of these domains and all of these different people.
2: I get that. It's a lot of pressure. I mean, you were, you were sort of Greg's muse in the beginning and then for you to be showcased at a competition like that, if you didn't, you know, win or do really, really well. Yeah. People be like, well, what's the deal? Like I thought this was the thing, you know, makes sense.
1: Well, in addition to the videos, you, you were on the site a lot doing the demo the the pictures of the demos of the movements and all of that stuff. Like you were the face of, Of female CrossFitters back then
0: (laughs) yeah I mean there was a few of us that were all doing that but yeah so so like Kat said I really felt the pressure of like if I'm not the best then what has this all been for and why why was I the face on on CrossFit all these years
1: so what what forced that that switch to flip where you then did compete
0: so 2011 was the first year they did the online qualifier or the open and so um we had a couple people in our gym. they were like, we want to do it. We want to do it. You know, this is going to be fun. And being one of the owners of the gym, I was like, okay, I should participate with my clients in the open. Uh, and I'm not trying to make it to the game. So I didn't even think that making it to regionals would happen. So um so we went through the open and it was it was as a coach and as an owner of the gym a really great experience to go through with my clients. Um and so I'm really happy that I did that just surely for that fact right there. So the open's done and I figured out that I qualified for the regionals. And I was like, well I'm not going to regionals. I don't want to go to the games so I'm not going to go to regionals. And somebody in the gym was like, that's so silly. Like, just, you're not going to make it to the games. You haven't been training for the games. You might as well go to regionals and see what it's like and, and, you know, check it out. So they're like, okay, I guess so. So I went to regionals uh, and found myself in third place at the end of regionals uh, and qualifying for the games. And, um, and I had, you know, I remember standing on the podium being like, well, this is great, but I'm not going to go. I'm not going to Carson. I'm not doing this. And I was only thinking that to myself. I hadn't really voiced it to anybody. And um, that year, China Cho and I had actually tied for points. Uh, but I got the third place because I had gotten a first place finish in one of the workouts and she hadn't. So that's how I ended up with that third place finish and the ticket to the games. And I had never said anything to China about not wanting to go. But I remember um, at the end of the game, she walked up to me and she was like, you better go. And I don't know if she just knew that I was hesitant or I I don't know, but that was the moment when I was like, I'm going to the games. I'm going to go. And so I went that year and and so then I took that, that time, which was like what, May or June to mid July or whatever to prep for the games, which wasn't a long time, which probably at that point was in my favor in a lot of ways, Um, went to the games and finished ninth that year. Surprisingly. Yeah. And, um, but I'll never forget. So one of the workouts, um, a co- there was a couple of them where I had a really tough time and, um, the community rallied and I, that was when I had this realization, like the community didn't care where I landed on the scoreboard, it was just really all about my effort. Like as long as I was giving my all out effort, the community didn't have any expectation. Like I had to be first or fifth or top 10 or something like that. It was, it was just, it was more about my effort. Um, And that was one of the most freeing feelings I had ever had. And I was really able to just fully enjoy the experience there.
1: And not only did you finish ninth and a top 10 finish, but you won the spirit of the games that year.
0: (laughs) Yes. And that's probably, um, again, that's an acknowledgement from the community, from the fellow athletes, from the establishment um, uh, of just, yeah, my efforts and who I am and how I compete. And um, so, yeah, that was a a super special award that I hold really close to my heart. Um, And it was an amazing year.
1: Yeah. We've talked to other spirit of the games winners who v- almost value that more than their podium finishes.
0: Definitely. Cause it comes from the community. And, and like I was saying, I was so worried about what the community was going to think of me. And there it is. There's your validation, right? It's not about where you finish. It's a, it's about who you are. Yeah.
1: And so then you went back the next year and you <laughs> didn't have, you didn't have the reservations like you did because you, you learned that it, they didn't need you to win, they just wanted to see you. So how did that next year go?
0: Um, So the next year was good. I mean, I was, it it was a real switch too, to like verbally say, this is my goal. I wanna make it to the games. I wanna do well at the games, you know, because that makes you a little bit more vulnerable. Um, It was easy that first year to be like, well, I wasn't even trying. So, you know, I could have gotten last place and it was like, well, I wasn't trying. Well, this year I was trying. Um, So it was different. The pressure was a little bit different. But like you said, I had kind of learned that it was more about my effort um, than about where I finished. Uh, So that was a really different experience. And that year I finished, I think, 22nd. So that wasn't a great year for me. I had a couple of um, a couple of things that I think tripped me up a little bit. Um, But I still even 2013, I was like, okay, I want to make it back. I want another chance at it. So it didn't, it definitely didn't sour me not finishing well that year.
1: And you kept, you kept making regionals um, yep. as you were getting older and kind of like the original Sam Briggs, right? You, you're up in your thirties and you're doing really well Yeah. Uh, still. Yeah.
0: yeah, I qualified uh, and competed through 2015. So I think, um, I think I was 38 or 39 that last year that I qualified for regionals. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and then and then you the masters kind of came out and you did that in 16 and 17
0: yep they switched it maybe the year before or that year but yeah so they you know at first it was only 45 plus and then right around when i turned 40 they had bumped it down to 40 um so i was really excited to to compete as a master's athlete
1: and so the two years you did that, you finished second and third, both podium finishes. Um, was it a big difference doing masters or did you still enjoy it as much as the as the open division?
0: Um, it, it was a big difference, mainly just in the volume. The volume of what they gave us was so much more manageable um, as far as a weekend went Uh it, yeah, it was it was enjoyable. It was manageable, um, but you know it was hard because, it, and I mean, I'm a I am guilty of this too. The Masters athletes don't get near the attention or um, the accolades, or you know, just it's 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 only the people that are really watching the Masters are your friends and family, right? Let's That's be honest. other Masters. <laughs> yeah, the other <laughs> Masters. Your friends and family, and you're not. You know, I'm not competing to showcase myself to the world it, it is my own journey it is about myself but you're, you're a little bit marginalized as a master's athlete having said that I think that um that we are an inspiring bunch any any master's athlete right anybody over the age of basically 35 at this point that's still doing anything whether you're competing or not is very inspiring to the next generations um, and uh I, I admire all of the masters athletes. It's, it's just definitely a a different experience coming from the individual side.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm a junkie when, when they had the masters at the beginning of the week and the open at the end of the week, I watched all the masters. Yeah. Like, because that I'm just that big of a CrossFit junkie and I loved it. I loved watching um, the masters go after it. You know, Kat and I worked the masters fitness collective this year um, in Fort Wayne and it, we had a blast. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that CrossFit gives them a spotlight that's not over top of the open division, where they can be seen and they can be um, spotlighted for who, what they are, and what they're doing.
0: And you know, Scott, I think I get the feeling that that's kind of what's going to happen this year. I, 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 um, I think Rosa as a master's athlete, right? As somebody who's a little bit older, but really still into the competitive side of CrossFit, uh, uh, has an appreciation for it. Um, and I think that he sees the value. I mean, you know, if I look at the, the clientele of my gym, it's pretty much all 40 plus people. And there's some really fit 40 plus people in our gym. Um, and so I think, uh, I think it, there will be a little more spotlight on the master's athletes than there had been previously.
2: Yeah. yeah, and it's, it sounds like this year is just, they're just sort of laying the framework for years to come to expand it even further. So I think it's definitely step in the right direction.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we're some of the best spokespeople for the sport, right? Because what other sports... Um, have these master's divisions that are still at such a competitive level. I mean, there's a lady in our gym, she's uh, 51, 52, and she's doing ring muscle-ups and handstand walking. And um, So I think that we are some of the spokespeople really for the sport as far as just longevity and potential um, of the sport.
1: So before we move off of that, I have a, a neat story. I actually met you at the 2017 Games. It was when it was all done, and uh, I believe it was your daughter had uh, your medal around her, her neck uh, from finishing third, and you, you couldn't have been nicer, and I just want to thank you for, for that. Uh, we talked a little bit, and your daughter was so cute.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. And she was nice. That was back when she was nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've had a teenage daughter. I know what that's like.
0: You know Nothing I say, do, wear is right anymore right
3: no having teenagers is like having toddlers again i mean they don't want you around but they need you and uh,
0: (laughs) does everybody have a teenage daughter right now or teenagers yep (laughs) i feel your pain
2: yes i have we have uh amy and i both have the same we have 17 year old 18 year old sons and what 15 16 year old daughters
3: yep and scott's daughters in college yep
2: yeah we're in the yeah. thick of it i mean i i noted the other day i said to my husband i said you know i drove i had a short drive with my son somewhere and literally everything out of my mouth was not correct like everything i said every opinion i had or whatever was just shot down immediately and he, my husband looked at me and he said well now you know where he gets it from but so he, <laughs> <laughs> he i tend to do it too but still <laughs> it stings to be on the receiving end of that
0: Totally. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and my daughter is 19. She's in college. Um, And so now she's being taught to debate back with me. Uh, so she has a better skill set than oh, she did before.
2: Oh. She's getting graded for it. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. <laughs> that's the worst
0: part is that he's paying for right. it. Right. <laughs> oh, so,
2: now
1: I, so now I kind of want to go back into your you opening your own affiliate and being an affiliate owner and co founder of CrossFit Central Santa Cruz.
0: Santa Cruz Central. Yep.
1: Santa Cruz Central. Okay. And I thought I read, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that it's only 200 meters from the original CrossFit Santa Cruz?
2: Correct. Correct. So how much help help did you get from HQ in, in starting that gym? Was it really sort of them wanting to make some kind of satellite gym or was it?
0: So, um, so. I guess probably about 2006-ish, uh, Greg and Lauren moved to Prescott, Arizona. They they couldn't afford to buy a house in Santa Cruz at the time, and they wanted to buy a house, and CrossFit was definitely growing, so they moved to Prescott, and um, I was left to uh, manage the gym, and there was probably about 12 to 15 of us that were trainers at that gym, um, and it was good. It actually ran great. We, we had our classes and our personals and yada yada, but it was like, I would have to call Greg and Lauren like, we need more toilet paper. We need more paper towels. We, need, we just didn't have a really great system. We did it for probably six months to a year. And then um, a couple of trainers broke off and went and started their own affiliate in Scotts Valley, which is like you know 10 miles from Santa Cruz. Um, and there was this moment where Greg and Lauren realized it was too hard to manage the gym from Arizona. They weren't gonna come back and, and own the gym anymore And there was enough of us as trainers that were kind of starting to bump elbows. Um, And a few people have talked about breaking off and doing their own gyms. Uh, So we, there was a group of us. It was uh, myself, uh, Michelle Moots, who's still on the L1 staff, Eva T, uh, Rob Miller, who um, he was a rock climber back in the day. There's two CrossFit Rob Millers. This is the rock climber CrossFit, Rob Miller. And then um, Jimmy Baker. And Jim Baker was uh, actually one of Greg's personal clients since about, I think, 1995, 96. Um, And Jimmy at the time was probably in his mid-60s. So the five of us just happened to walk down the street, saw this, um, this space that was available. It was an old like Volvo repair shop. So it had tons of huge bay doors. Um, you know, It was just all like uh, a cinder block on the inside. Um, and we were like, wow, this space looks kind of cool. There was some office space also that we didn't need, but it was like at the end of the cul-de-sac, there was parking lot space and just a ton of bay door space. So the five of us said, let's, uh, let's start our own gym. And um, Eva, who had been with Greg for years and years at that point, um, Greg offered us to take the name CrossFit Santa Cruz, and he offered us a lot of the equipment. And Eva was kind of the big one that was like, I don't think we want to do this. We're going to be beholden to him if we take the name and if we take the equipment. And it was her that really pushed for us to buy all of our equipment, have our own name and just really set things up on our own the five of us Um, and you know to be honest I'm very happy that that is what she pushed for I think it was absolutely the right decision on our part Um, we were really lucky we affiliated at the end of the year in 2007 then we opened up our affiliate in 2008 and um, we're still in that current location uh, which is pretty awesome Um, We actually still have a couple of clients that came from that original gym. So we have clients that have been doing CrossFit for 15 plus years. Um, Unfortunately, so Michelle Moots moved and she, um, so she backed out as an owner because she was living in Carlsbad and it didn't make sense for her to own the gym. Eva pulled out at a certain point. She was just kind of not really into the CrossFit world that much anymore. Uh, Rob Miller also pulled out at one point. Um, we brought on two other owners. Uh, one of them was my coach during the games for a couple of years. And then he went and did some other business endeavors. Um, and so for a long time, it was myself, Jimmy Baker, uh, and then Helene Bouchard, who's one of the other people that we brought on. Um, and it's, it was the three of us for quite some time. Um, and we were a great threesome. We we could you know the other the, the five of us that started there was a lot of strong personalities there was a lot of bucking heads, but we would always figure things out. Um, the three of us got along great we all had our own niches and things that we did. Um, unfortunately, this summer in July, Jim passed away oh. and it was a huge loss um, to our Jim because not only was he a founding member but he was in his early 70s and he had a lot of clientele that was in their early 70s, mid 70s. Uh, he had one lady, Vilma, who's 84 years old, who was driving herself into the gym and he really spoke to that population. You know, and it's amazing when somebody walks up to a CrossFit gym and, you know, they wanna be like, if they see a bunch of 20 year olds with their shirts off, they're like, wow, well, this isn't for me. And at, on any given day, if somebody walked up to our gym, they could never say, well, this isn't for me because here was Jimmy. And they, they, he wasn't snatching, you know. He wasn't necessarily doing squat cleans with his clients, but he was doing some variation of CrossFit. Um, and so I, I, we felt really fortunate that nobody could ever say, "Well, CrossFit, it, this is for the young kids." Like, no. Um, and and we still have some sixty plus people in our gym, and it's amazing. But he, you know, besides being a founder member, what he brought—his knowledge, experience, and clientele—was priceless.
1: And so. Uh, it's just the two of you now, the two owners.
0: Correct. Correct. It's just myself and Helene, and and it's good. And we, um, y- you know, the gym is running well. It's uh, it's a little harder for us to come up with fresh ideas just because it's two of us. So we're like very often on just maintenance mode. Um, but it's good. We have a, we have a really great training staff right now and a couple are younger and a couple are, um, you know, mid forties, um, and a little more established. And so they help bring some of the like fresh ideas and, uh, you know, clothing or whatever it is, just the, the social media stuff like that. They're helpful.
1: So you Because you started so far back, like in in the beginning of CrossFit, you kind of rode the wave. And what was that like as an affiliate owner? Not necessarily a competitor, but as an affiliate owner. What did you guys see in the last 15 years of CrossFit?
0: Well, you know, and I'll never forget um, Greg very early on because Greg, he had the idea of CrossFit, but he was not very business minded. Um, But he used to always say like, he would never spend any money on marketing because your best marketing tool was your clients. Like, why would he go spend money on advertising when really it's your clients that are out there? They're looking better. They're moving better. And people are going to say, oh, hey, Scott, what are you doing? Why do you look so good all of a sudden? And so his thing was always like, invest in your clients. That's going to be your best market. And so we really adopted a lot of that business, you know, which was, we never did a lot of advertising or pushing that way. It was always just about taking best care of our clients. Um, So could we have grown at a faster rate or put a little more into advertising and marketing? Yes. But we really kind of hung on to that old style. And um, so we've, you know, we've seen some attrition, we've lost some clients, but again, we also have clients that have been with us for 10 plus years. Um, and I, and that's really important to me because again, I, when I think of CrossFit, um, I think of longevity as a business, as an athlete, um, as a coach, like this is what I want to be doing as all of those things, as an affiliate owner, athlete, coach, not just to my fifties and sixties, but as long as I can. Um, and so it, you know, it, it's. There's a lot of people that were really smart. You look at your Jason Kalipas that were, were that were very business savvy and and made a big name for themselves and their business. And we've slow played it uh, for sure a little bit more, but we again we've been open for 13 years this February and um, haven't had any blips in our in our business. And so you know, slow and steady. We're the tortoise. <laughs> But I would say too, and that's why I'm really happy um, about the games and the way things are going. Is the games drive people into the the affiliates? And I know that there was a big push to go more health and fitness wise, and that the idea was that would drive people into the affiliates. But um, even if you're an everyday average person, I feel like I feel like that the games, seeing the games on CBS or ESPN, was really when we saw a lot of spikes in in people in our gym.
1: I agree. You know, when I started CrossFit, I was, um, 500 pounds. No way. Yeah. And you know, it gave, I was a competitive swimmer all the way to college and I saw what I could be like if I just gave it a shot and you know, and I I had the right coaching and I had the right gym and the right community. Um, and it happened. Uh, so I agree with you. Uh, but the games show you what you can become maybe not at that level but I can be competitive again. I can live a life where that's pretty cool. So, yeah. I
0: totally agree. I totally agree. And, and I think that, and I think Eric is going to see this too, that, um, that the, you know, the, the games gives CrossFit the platform to have a huge audience and then do an ad that has the everyday people. Right. So like people are seeing, you know, Matt and Tia and all these amazing people like, well, that's not going to be me. And then a commercial comes on and it's like, oh, no, but that is me. Like, I'm more like that person. They're doing CrossFit. And so to me, the games is inspiring and all of those athletes are inspiring. But as far as business wise goes, well, that's a great opportunity. You have a huge audience that's paying attention. And that's when you throw on your commercials of your everyday people and people are like, oh, OK, I could do it, too.
1: So I, I do wanna ask you about what happened with Greg because you were part of that initial group that was with him, but I don't wanna linger on it. I, I, I want it to be quick. Um, I, I was on the affiliate call that you spoke, uh, the, the big Zoom meeting that they did, and watching you have to talk about that situation and what happened with Greg, you seemed so heartbroken on that, on that video because you were there in the beginning. Just a couple quick thoughts about what happened there. And then I want to talk about where we're going now that we have a new CEO.
0: So I will forever be grateful for Greg for what he started. And I would not be doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be an affiliate owner. I wouldn't be a coach. I wouldn't be a passionate athlete if it wasn't for Greg. And I I acknowledge um, his part in that. Um, unfortunately there are just some things about Greg whether it's ego or whatever that that I think stifled his ability to see the big, the bigger broader picture of what CrossFit really could be um, and what the community wanted it to be um, and so in that sense I'm very thankful that he made what I think was the best decision for him and for this community at that time um, and I was I was very torn as a, as an affiliate owner and as an, uh, a longtime lover of CrossFit of what I would have done had he not stepped down. Um, so I am I am very thankful that that was the decision that he made, uh, and I'm really hopeful for the way things are leaning.
1: Yeah, yeah. There just seems to be a different vibe um, as the people we've talked to who have been close to Eric. Uh, at the games and different things, they just sense a different vibe, um, which is, which is pretty awesome.
0: And, you know, Greg hadn't been an affiliate owner for multiple years. He hadn't, been coaching the masses for multiple years. Um, and so, you know, it's easy to lose touch with what the community is wanting and what the, the atmosphere is in your local gym if you're not in a local gym. And that's where you have to give Eric credit. Yes, he's got other endeavors, but he's been an affiliate owner for 10 years. And so he knows, um, you know, what the community wants and, and, and the strifes and struggles of owning a, an affiliate. Um, and that's very telling, I think, in the way he's handling it.
1: And so now I want to move into kind of you and what you're doing today and your, in your future. And one is, you know, you're a part of the rogue iron games and we love seeing you do your commentary uh, during the games. Uh, Love that smile and and the energy you bring. Is that something you ever saw yourself doing?
0: No, no. I mean, yeah, that's it. If you ask me, even like you said earlier, like could you picture that CrossFit would be here 20 years from now, or 15 years from back then, it was like, no, no way would I imagine there was a million dollar purse and all this stuff. And if you had said, "Ann, you're gonna be talking on TV, I would have laughed at you in the face (laughs) to think that. Um, So that has been a really, really fun byproduct of everything that has happened. And I'm yeah, I'm really, really, really thankful for the opportunity because I feel like it's one of the ways I can give back to the community, you know, for having had years and years of doing CrossFit, again, being an owner, being an athlete, just being an avid lover of the sport. um, I feel very fortunate that I get that opportunity to, to talk about it to the masses.
1: And you've had a very long relationship with rogue at one time you were, you were part of their stable of athletes and now you're working with them on the rogue iron games. Uh, and I'm assuming you knew Katie from back in the day.
0: I didn't know Katie that well before I became a rogue athlete. Um, but, and really, I've, I've spent more time with Katie in the last couple of years having done the iron game uh, with them. But I'd gone out to their facility um, when I was a rogue athlete. Um, and then I've gone out again when I did the rogue invitational and just different times. And I would say um, I couldn't be happier for Bill and Katie um, because, and their success that they've had, because to me, it is the most homegrown business that has become so wildly successful and I feel like there's no gimmicks. Um, you know, it's because of a lot of blood, sweat and tears on both Katie and Bill's part. It's because they have the highest standards for their equipment, for their employees. And the best part about that is that they, they lead by example. So if you ever are at an event where, um, Katie and Bill are there, they have their hard hats on, they have their t-shirts on, they have sweat rings around their armpits because they are pounding nails and doing everything else that everybody else is doing. They're not sitting in a suite, drinking margaritas, watching it all go down. I mean, they are on the floor. There's some of the first people on the floor and the last people on the floor. And the way they, they manage their business and their crew um, and the speeches that Bill both of them gave to us as people that were working with them, either iron game or just the regular crew were so inspiring. Um, again, I just couldn't be happier for two people to be so wildly successful because it really is from their efforts.
1: Yeah. So Amy and I live in Columbus, Ohio, and rogue is a sense of pride for us. Like that's our little (laughs) hometown company that has made big. And, and we were at the first rogue invitational, I got to see you perform there. Um, That Legends competition was so awesome. So
0: cool. And it's just those little things that they think of and that they do um, that, again, just make them like above and beyond what everybody else is doing, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And then I judged at the last one, the online Rogue competition and the speeches you talk about, Katie came on and gave us a speech in her headset right before we went on. And I was like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go through the wall.
3: Right? Like, literally, they give
0: these speeches where you're like, what do I need to do? I'll lay down and die for these people right now. And they really instill that in their crew. And when you're working with them, which I'm sure you saw, Scott, like, everybody feels that way. And it's not, again, it's not just like some speech that they give and then they walk off and go sit in a suite and, you know, do their thing. It's, they, they say it and then they live it. And that's yeah, and- the best part
2: the after that weekend too i mean when we were i was there working that event and you just you just want to do the best job possible for them because you know that that's what they expect and that's what they do um i must have said a hundred times that weekend like
0: can i get a job here (laughs) can i work here yeah (laughs) this is so cool Yeah. yeah exactly yeah i couldn't be happier for them they deserve all the success in the world and they're just really upstanding people you know the way they they handled everything with greg and crossfit and um yeah, they're just, they're amazing.
2: I have to ask, um, do you think the Rogue Invitational 2021 is in your future, either as a competitor or
0: working? If I was asked to, y- yes, if Rogue asked me to do either of those things, I would most definitely agree. Awesome. Yes.
1: So let's finish up with like what you what you see your future to be right now. Um, are, are you going to do any more masters competing and then um, on the outside of that any more commentating any more things like that
0: um so the answer would be i would love to do both um i you know my the heart and soul of of crossfit for me is my affiliate and being a coach So I will never do anything at the expense of either of those things, uh, because that is really my daily passion, is going into my gym and and affecting the lives of others on a daily basis, you know, connecting with them on it uh, every day. Um, But I still really am passionate as both an athlete. um, I would like to compete again. The last couple of years I've taken off, um, even, even as a master's athlete you have to put a ton of time and energy into your training. And I have two kids that are 12 and 14 and they both have sports that they are playing. And I don't want to be missing their events so that I can train for my event you know I did that for a few years and so for me I want to be able to focus on them now it's their turn and a lot of why I did what I did was to be an example for my kids like if you want if you have a goal and you want to do something then you work hard and you put in the work when nobody else wants to and you eat like this because you know it's going to benefit you and not a lot of it was to be an example and so now it's my turn to you know, help be their caddy and bring them to games and different events. Um, and if things let up a little bit, if, if it gets a little easier for me to feel like I have the time to give as an, as a competitive athlete, then yeah, I would like to do it again. Um, you know, I love competing.
1: That makes me so just, excited. That makes me so excited.
0: Maybe you just treat it like 2011
2: and you just do the open and see what happens. You might just find yourself in that top 10%.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, um, as far as the commentating goes, you know, as uh, pretty much as long as they ask me, I'll probably do it, you know, obviously depending on who's running it and whatever, but, um, everybody that I've ever worked with as far as the media side goes has been nothing but amazing. Um, and again, it's, it's a really fun way for me to feel like I'm giving back and staying connected to the greater CrossFit community.
1: Well, we wanna finish up with a question from Amy. Well, I just wanted to make
3: sure we would be a fool to talk to you and not ask you about Annie the workout because (laughs) I have to tell you though, that is the one workout that I'm like, no matter where I go, if I'm traveling, I'm like, I I will always do Annie because it's something I can, can totally be done anywhere.
0: I love that. So it was funny. It was like one of those days I turned on, you know, back in the day, uh, you would wake up in the morning, you would turn on the main site and see what the workout was, right? And it came up as Annie 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 double unders and sit-ups. And I was like, I I didn't get it. I don't know why. The only thing I can think is I I really like double unders. I really hate ab-mat sit-ups. I'm horrible at ab mat sit-ups. And and Lauren would do, I think it was Lauren really that did the workout. Lauren would do that a lot as like, you know, a hate and a like, or um, or even sometimes like the workout Kelly um, was because this lady, Kelly Moore, who used to be amazing and post all these great times on the original site, did really good at this like dumbbell workout and and somebody was like, Oh my God, Kelly, you killed it. And she came back and said, well, that's only because it's not running wall balls and box jumps. And literally the next day it was Kelly five rounds of 400 meter run, you know, 30 wall balls and 30 box jumps. You can thank Kelly more for that workout. but that workout came out and then I remember then, then, then Nicole came out and Eva came out and Nicole's this gnarly, horrible one that leaves you just destroyed. You know, Eva, everybody would, you know, I hate Eva, it's so gnarly. And I was like, I hate my workout. I've got this like wimpy little workout that's just double unders and sit ups. And, and I, you know, I liked that people would be like, oh my God, you're the first workout I ever RX. Like, you know, it was nice, but I was also like, damn it, my workout's so easy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll tell you that out of all the the girl workouts, when I was in my prime at my box, I was like top five in every single workout except Annie. So oh, good.
0: We're good friends. Not that easy.
2: <laughs> not that easy.
0: Um, so actually this year when, when they did awful Annie in stage one, I was like, there we go. Now, yeah. now we're talking. Um, but I do, I actually, I love it because so many people Love it, you know, but again, it's like, that's the one like, oh, I did your workout for my warm-up. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I did it back Thanks. to back, you know. It was a great warm-up. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah.
2: I think maybe we have to make up like the Sakamoto or something and there we give you go. a second one. Let's do that.
0: We'll yeah. So, so
2: did it. you try Awful Annie?
0: I haven't tried it yet. I do want to, I'm a little scared, but I <laughs> would. Did you guys try it?
2: no. Amy Amy and I did a version of it head to head on, on video, but we didn't have a GHD. Neither one of us had GHDs in our garage and this was in the middle of lockdown things. So, so we did it that way. It was fun. Amy won. (laughs) I love it.
1: By like five seconds. It was really close. It was close.
2: I think, yeah. If we were head to head, it would have been, yeah, it would have been closer, I think. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough, Annie, for taking some time out to spend with us today. It was so fun uh, hearing the stories and getting to know you a whole, a whole lot better. And I'm so excited that you, you may be competing again, because uh, I love to root for you.
0: Oh, I really appreciate it. Well, this was super fun for me. Thank all three of you for having me. Yeah.
1: Well, we will let you go enjoy the rest of your day. Catch a wave or, or do yes. whatever you're going to do. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I'm going to go get down to the ocean. I don't know if I'll surf, but I'll, I'll go hang out down there. Oh, perfect.
1: Well, thank you so much and, and have a great
2: day.
0: Thanks you guys. You too. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye.
2: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. We'd like to thank our sponsor, RX Smart Gear. As a listener of the show, you can get 15% off everything except special editions and new releases when you use the code Clydesdale15 at checkout. That's Clydesdale15, all caps, at rxsmartgear.com.
1: Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube,